And we're live. Another episode of Athletic Insights, which is a podcast designed to be a resource for youth sports athletics, organizations, coaches, parents, and young athletes looking to get a glimpse in behind the scenes of elite athletics. We're joined here today by our guest, Mike Nelson. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Appreciate have, appreciate you having me on this. Of course. I appreciate your time. Um, out of all the receivers I've had the, the pleasure to play with, you were you were uh, one of the guys that I always, I admired you and I knew that in the future I'd want to want to be able to do something with you with sports and, and football, maybe camps or something. So even that's this podcast is really cool to, uh, to reconnect and be able to chat, to chat on and share your experience. So um, first thing, Mike, this, uh, this podcast is obviously a, it's a resource for young athletes to kind of, to learn and, and, and get some insight into the future and whatnot. So why don't you just take us back down um, your path as a youth athlete. So what kind of sports were you playing growing up? When did, uh, when did you really find your passion and what led you to pursue football at a high level? Okay. So like every parent, I mean, sorry, like every kid with European parents, my parents are from England. So I started off with soccer. So I played soccer. I started when I was maybe like four years old, five years old, just like athletic, had no clue what I was doing, but at that age, no kid really knows. Right. And then extended there to basketball. I always had an interest in football, but my parents didn't want me to play because of the aggression, the fear, all that kind of stuff that every parent has with their child, right? So I was playing soccer, loved it. It was fun. Just loved being with the guys. Ended up playing basketball. It was fun, too. I wouldn't say I had a passion for basketball, but I had a passion for skipping school. So that's perfect, <laughs> yep. And then finally, by the age of like 10, 11, I finally got allowed to play my first football season. And I remember, you know what, it'd be cool if I said, like, I played it and I loved it. But I remember I used to come home every day from practice just crying my eyes out, just bawling. And it wasn't because I, I, I was getting hurt. It was just because I was so frustrated because football was nothing like any other sport I played, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one day my mom was literally like, yo, if you keep coming home and crying, I'm taking out the sport. And after that, like, I didn't cry once. I just started to make plays. Finally understood it. Like, I just remember how frustrating tackling was. I would just dive at people. I didn't know how to rap and stuff. So it's like, you know, I, I, I was used to being good at basketball, good at soccer. Next thing you know, I'm playing football. And, I, like, it's not that I wasn't good. I just didn't get it, you know? So Yeah, no, for sure. I think, uh, I think football definitely, it takes a little bit longer to understand the game and your <laughs> role in it. So, like, specifically for those listening at home, me and Mike both played receiver growing up and receiver in university. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure you also grew up playing some defense like I did too in, in high course. school and whatnot. Of course, right? You're an athlete. They need, you need Mike Nelson on the field, right? <laughs> You're so damn fast, Mike. Anyways. Um, <laughs> shout, out. Bre- shout, out Brent, shout out Brent Bailey. Yeah, yeah shout out Brent Bailey. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so obviously growing up playing football, it's, it takes a little bit more time to understand what's going on and your role in the system. And once you get it, it kind of clicks for sure. But exactly. um, yeah, so – so for, for those of you listening at home, uh, parents, coaches, young athletes, Mike and I actually, we both were transfer athletes and mm-hmm. we, both, we, we both, so Mike started at Western and I'm going to have him touch base on that here shortly. I started at St. FX and then we both ended up um, finishing our careers as Bishop Skaters in the RCQ and then ultimately that team transferred into the Atlantic Division. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we both got to play in uh, two different conferences, which was uh, a nice, ex- a, a unique experience in its own. So yep. um, 
Mike, why don't you just touch base a little bit about back to high school on your recruiting process? So what originally put you on Western's radar? How did you kind of navigate your first recruiting process? And when you made that decision to leave Western, um, how did you approach the second uh, recruiting process? Okay, so recruiting is actually a very interesting thing, especially at that age, because we never experienced anything like it. Like, we don't even understand how recruiters are looking at us. So I was blessed to be in a situation where I played Team Ontario two years in a row, which, like, I would say to any kid, if you do get opportunity, it is huge, not only because of the talent you get to go against, but also because of the coaches you play with. So through me playing Team Ontario, I made a relationship with the Western coach, the Guelph coach, and a couple of other schools I can't really remember right now. I think Waterloo was one of them. Look, you end up making a relationship with these coaches because you're with them for a week in a whole different place. You have practices. You have like a mini training camp, which is about three days before you go. So that's how I ended up building a relationship with Coach Bertoya. Shout out to Coach Bertoya at Western. And then throughout my high school, I knew that was always a major option for me, right? So recruiting for me was a little bit different. At the same time, it is that aspect of just kind of getting out there. So I still had to reach out to different coaches, send my tapes to different coaches, you know, send out emails, talk to recruiters, which is a job in itself that as a 15-year-old, you don't really understand that that's that concept. You kind of just wait on the sideline. You're just hoping that a recruiter after a game will come shake your hand. Exactly. Just, don't, don't wait, man. Don't wait. Trust me, it's not, it's not always like that. Like, you actually have to be very proactive to get recruited. Not, not because you're not talented enough, just because there's so many people on the field. How are you going to make yourself stand out, right? So right. make your highlight tape, talk to coaches, talk to, like, some of these coaches, literally, they're not only recruiting in Brampton, but they're going to different places in GTA, different places in Ontario, different places in Canada. Some coaches are going to the States to find talent, right? So... Mm -hmm they just come to one game and you didn't have the best game. Well, that might be it for you unless you reach out to them, send them your tape and show them, this is what I can, I can actually do. This was just this day. And then where from there you go to these little camps. So I remember I went to McMaster's camp. Um, I went to, I think I went to a Guelph camp. I know I went to like a Laurier day, like a Western camp, you know, those little camps just to show these are the skills that I had then. These are the skills that I still have now just to kind of showcase myself. So that's a big thing. So going to camps, creating the relationships with the coaches, and sending out the tapes are the three biggest things when it came to my recruiting journey. And I know a lot of players can attest to that too. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, what specifically drew you into Western? Obviously, the culture of pursuing excellence, and you know you're going to have a chance to uh, win multiple national championships with a program like that. But what specifically drew you into Western? And what was, the, what was your thought process when you were – um, thinking about transferring. So for me, going to Western, it was it was actually different than like saying like I just want to go to a school winning culture. Honestly, my first year going into Western, I just came off a I played rugby in the springtime, and I broke my wrist. So I wasn't even completely sure if I was going to play my first season at Western. I was thinking I'm not even playing at all my first season, and I'd say probably like four or five of my friends that are on the football team, they end up going to Western as well. Right. So I'm like, yo, I'd love to go somewhere where all my guys are, guys that I've been playing with in Brampton, guys I've been playing with in high school, just kind of stay around the people that I know, be in a comfortable uh, area, be in a comfortable team, be in a comfortable situation my first year going in, and then be able to, like, grow and learn from there, you know? 
So like that's actually what really attracted me into going to Western. And it helped a lot going to a school that I knew people because especially your first year of university, you're out of your parents' house, all that blase blase, you're in a whole different city. It's gonna help a lot to know people that are familiar with A, the system that's already at that school and B, the coaches and C, the area itself, right? Right. Yeah, so like that's what brought me into Western. And of course, like I said, I had a relationship with the coach, Coach Bertoya before from Team Ontario. So I ended up, we ended up, he ended up reaching out to me. I ended up going back and forth. And long story short, I went on a couple of visits and I decided like, yes, this is definitely where I want to be. And I know I'm going to enjoy my time here. Now, go ahead. No, per- perfect. Keep going. Okay. So now moving forward to my decision to go to Bishop's, like after uh, three years at Western, as much as I loved all the guys on the team and I loved the environment, I loved everything in the atmosphere. I knew that for me to excel to where I wanted to be, I had to look for change. That was just the way it was, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, my first two years were really good at Western. My first year was all right, I should say. My second year was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. My third year, things didn't go as planned. And that's when I decided, like, okay, it's my third year. I still have a good amount of eligibility. Why not take the chance and go to somewhere different and see what can happen? Because at the end of the day, for me, winning championships is fun. They're more fun when you're a bigger part of that championship, you know? Completely agree. Completely agree. We, we both, I think, were drawn into bishops for the opportunity. Exactly. Um, exactly. Not just the opportunity to play, but like the opportunity to have an impact on a program that's just like struggled for so uh, well the short the short history. Obviously, the last five years, yeah, yeah struggled yeah. so much, and it's it's kind of nice to see them starting to have glimpses of um, what the program Success. should. Which, yes. Yeah. What? Well, <laughs> you know, I I don't want to take anything away from what Bishops accomplished this year, but um, anyone who watched AUS football knows that this was the most watered da- watered down that league has been in five years. Um, not to be disrespectful, Santa Fe <laughs> is in a rebuilding. Acadia is strong. SMU is strong. And Mount A is rebuilding, and Bishops is still rebuilding. So mm-hmm. um, I'm very interested to see how the Gators do next year. If they can pull out another four and four season, I'll tip my hat to them, and they'll have my full respect. I'm just not sold. I'm not completely sold on that program yet um, because it's one year. That's all. No, and that, and, that, and that's completely fair. And that's completely fair. I will give credit to the coaches and all the changes that they made over the last five years to try and rebuild everything. And that's one thing I gave Bishop's credit for. They didn't just say, if it's broke, we'll stick with it. They said, if it's broke, we'll make drastic changes until it starts working again. So I will, I will give credit to that. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of things they are doing properly and a lot of things they are doing right, for sure. And you know mm-hmm. what? A lot of those young athletes there, they, they're, they're, they're good football players. They, they picked the right opportunity for them, and it's nice to see them excel. Like some of the guys that you know, we had a – we played a role in helping recruit them. Like they, they yeah. came and maybe, maybe they stayed with them. Exactly. With them. It's, it's nice. It comes full circle, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. That's the process to see. Yeah. So while we're talking about that a little bit, what did um, me and you obviously prided ourselves on just doing extra work? It looked a little mm-hmm. differently, but we just always wanted to put in a little extra work. So mm-hmm. what, um, what are some of the things you want younger athletes, specifically football players and receivers, um, to know about the process and things that they need to be doing more of to uh, reach the next level? Okay, so the first thing I'm going to say is, like, the process is not linear. Like, I will tell you that straight up. It is not linear. 
it is not and you'll see that from playing young football it doesn't mean like when you're nine if you had a decent year when you're 10 you're gonna have a better year when you're 11 it's gonna be good when you're 12 it's gonna be great when you're 13 it's gonna be amazing when you're 14 you're a superstar or at any age group and you can move that to first year of high school to last year of high school you can move that to first year of university to last year of university the process is not linear at the end of the day there's gonna be ups and downs things happen injuries happen that's a big part of sports You'll have an amazing second year, then all of a sudden the third year you can have a major injury, right? So the process is not linear. And understanding that will help you know that you will have to just stay with it, realistically. You'll have to stay with it. Right. The, yeah, process, not, like, the process is not linear, so you have to stay with it. You have to keep grinding through it. You have to understand that even though you're having a rough point at certain times, other people probably are too. It's how careers go. We watch these superstars on TV. I promise you, they never have perfect careers. Even LeBron James had a like a, a rough season where he didn't make the playoffs. You know, like it happens. Yeah, in and, and he gets to hear it even more, right? He's got to deal with like the social media and, exactly. and people calling him washed. And my gosh, there's, exactly. there's no way LeBron James is washed, but he hears exactly. it, right? And the athletes who can take in that information, brush it to the side, and just stay focused on their mission and their path and the things mm-hmm. that are important to them. Those are the athletes that succeed. Like a big, a big part of this podcast is to help instill um, mindset strategies and just mm-hmm. uh, perspective into the younger generation. And I think the biggest thing that comes from playing university football and just maturing with age is that you understand, like you kind of con- well, not kind of you 100% control your ship. Mm-hmm. You, you make decisions. You have to be responsible for yourself. And sports is a great um, example of something that you, you don't do necessarily your entire life, but you, you can, for example, like me and you, we dedicated, I don't know, I've been playing sports since I was three or four, and mm-hmm. I just stopped competitive sports when I was 23. So that's 20 mm-hmm. years. And I take all those things that I learned from the highs and, and the lows and the really low lows and the lower mm-hmm. lows. And then mm-hmm. you can just, like I had Devin Bailey on yesterday and, and he was talking about, he just said, keep moving, keep moving forward. Kind of the same way you just said, mm-hmm. um, you said the same thing there. So it's uh, definitely young athletes who are, who, who are struggling with whatever school identity performance just keep on going it's not a linear process so mm-hmm. um definitely good point there mike so uh let's just before we get too deep into this um what specifically drew you into bishops when you were um transferring out of western in your third year because well, there must have been there must have been other schools interested in you like you're you're obviously a very athletic receiver who had a lot of attention recruiting wise uh, appreciate that so honestly like i wasn't even thinking of leaving western it was actually travis the quarterback that like we used to play together when we were kids and i realized at, there was a point on western that i just wasn't having fun with the game like i used to mm-hmm. so i'm like you know what if i'm gonna go somewhere i'd rather play with my old quarterback just throw around the ball with him back on the field and just have fun like translate the game from being just something that I feel is kind of turning into a job to something that I'm having fun playing again. So honestly, that was the biggest thing that drew me into Bishops. It's not like I went out and I looked at thousands of different schools and I put my highlight tape back out there. Nah, like it was literally either I stay at Western or I go on a bish- uh, visit to Bishops. And if it's right. good, I'll go check it out. Makes so sense. Like pr- yeah. Yeah. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. What were uh, what were the main differences, I guess, in culture and just uh, like program management between when you changed from Western to Bishops? Oh, and and okay. what was similar? Because this is really important too. Okay, okay. 
Okay. Um, similar. We'll start with similar. I guess similar was. I would say similar was the players' mindsets, the guys that were determined to want to get to where they want to go. Those work habits don't change. So, like, you see that in the individuals. It doesn't matter if they play for Western, Bishops. You'll probably see at Mount Allison, Smule. You'll probably see at any school. The players that want to go somewhere or they know where they want to go, their mindset and their work habits do not change. You will see that drive in them no matter where you are. So I say that's the biggest similarity is the player. It's not the system itself. Um, right. Differences, uh, there, was, there was a lot of differences, to be honest. It was, it was a complete difference because – you have to remember that Western is has a funded football program, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, or like, even if they're not quote unquote funded legally or illegally, I don't know how they do it, but there's money. <laughs> I, yeah, think, right? I think I think how Western does it is they are not privately funded, but they get so much support from alumni. They might ha- as well they might as well be privately funded. Exactly. So, so, what, right. okay. so what happens is like they're not privately funded, so whenever they get a lump sum of money that money from the alumni actually has to be distributed to the other teams as well. Exactly. So they don't get a grasp of as much money as, let's say, a Laval that's fully private, but they still get a lot of money because there's a lot of alumni and there's a lot of sports that are very successful in Westerners. Like, you're talking, like, females lacrosse. You're talking, like, just random sports that are amazing, right? So, So with that being said, like, the whole system was just different. Like, every day after practice, we got fed. Every single day after practice, we're not fed. Simple must things like that. be nice. Oh, yeah. Must be nice is an understatement. I'll tell you that, but like, you know, it was wonderful. Like, so what would happen is you go to practice. Let's say film starts at like, I don't know, pre-practice film. Let's say it was like two or three. And then from like, I don't know, let's say four or six. I don't remember exact times. So I'm just throwing out times. Let's say like four to six was practice time. Then you have like half an hour to shower, all that stuff after practice. And then from, like, let's say 6.30 to 7.30, we'll get fed whatever it was on the day. So it could be, like, hot dogs and stuff. It could be burritos. It could be pasta. Whatever we're getting fed that day. And then, um, hold on. Yeah, just, yeah, no problem. Go yeah, and then after that, it would be film. So see how at Bishops, we would do film right after practice. And then we'd have to go home and eat. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, Western, it would be different. So it'd be like we get fed and then they stay after film. I say another huge part about the system difference at Western was the way they stru- way practices were structured themselves and the way film was done itself. And I'd say like that was more just to do with like coaching quirks rather than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, this was a real technician when it came to film, so. I remember we'd sit in the film room and we were literally it'd be the same play and he would rewind it like 40 to 45 times. Like just right. every single old lineman's first step. <laughs> like, you know, like it was, it was insane. And like, you know, things like that. Plus there was a bigger team, right? So we're mm-hmm. talking about like 120, I think 120 to 130 kids the first time I was on the team. So not only was there starting lineups, but every starting lineup had a solid scout line that they can go against all practice. Yes, I think the biggest thing about the parity issues in youth sports is the depth, because I actually believe, and, and you can contest to this, like, for example, the time we spent together at Bishops, we had a really deep receiving core. And a lot mm-hmm. of teams don't want to admit that or validate us because we weren't successful. But in terms mm-hmm. of depth, 
at that position, we were solid. And I, I honestly think we could have lined up against every team in the uh, OUA or Can West or RCQ to an extent. Um, and, I'll, and I'll hold that. Like, I, I really hold that group we had to a high standard athletically. And, you know, if it just, it just, it's just how it worked out. So I, I agree. Um, I agree. And, like, sorry, just to, I know I'm rambling, but, like, yo, just the last thing I'd say was the biggest difference was um, culture mind state. Culture mind state was the biggest difference. So, like, at Western, it was as soon as you go there, there was a winning culture. There was something winning already in the air. Like, I don't know if you ever played Mad, like, if you ever played Madden franchise. No. But, like, okay, so how it works is if the team is winning, everyone's attributes go up by, like, I don't know, let's say their overalls go up by, like, five, plus five. So if you're right. 80 overall, you'd be 85. The team's losing, if you're 80 overall, you'd be, like, a 75. Just right. because of confidence and just having that winning attitude. Mm-hmm. You go to Western, a guy that's maybe, like, an 80 will be a 90 just because of the attitude and confidence that they bring. So that yes. was a huge difference. West, and I remember at Bishops, it's like, there was a quote, what was it, like, win or lose, we still booze? Like, like, yes, like, that was like, a big problem. And one of the one of the things that <laughs> I didn't really – that really got under my skin because I came in <laughs> wanting to, to win games yes. and to perform. And, I mean, you know the things that we were dealing with with the O-line and the quarterbacks, and I love yeah. them all to, all to death. But we, we had a shit end of the stick with injuries. Like, that's not to, mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the talent on the team around the receiving core. That's not the point. The point was, you know – Things happen for a reason, and if it was a different year and we had healthy quarterbacks and a healthy offensive line, maybe things would have worked out differently, but that's just not where we're at. Exactly, uh, yeah. It's okay. But, it's uh, yeah, it's okay. Like, it's, it's, things happen for a reason, and, like, one of the things I learned from sports is just to not have regrets. Like, just mm-hmm. learn from the things, try to be better, try to pass on the knowledge. Like, that's, that's what we're doing now. We're just having a conversation. Young athletes get to listen and, and kind of come to their own opinion on things, so. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. Yeah, so let's just talk a little bit about your time at Bishops. Um, what were some of the things that some some fond memories you had, and then some of the uh, was there anybody there who was kind of on the same path as you, who was pushing you, or did you have uh, the competitive drive there? Because I know one of the things about you is you were trying to go next level. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'd say okay. So first thing I'd say about Bishops is like it's probably the corniest thing that every coach says was like, yo, once you leave here. Man, nothing's going to matter more than the guys that you're changing with, the guys that you battle with every day. And I remember, like, I used to look at these coaches like, man, that's, they're like, that's the thing you're going to remember. And I used to look at them like, man, like, you guys are so corny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally, once I left, I understood what they're saying. Because it was like the relationships that were built at Bishops, the people that I was with, were the biggest takeaway from leaving Bishops. Like, you know, those were the moments that were actually, like, I would do again in a heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely the people. Uh, when it came to, like, pushing myself, pushing each other, yes, of course, you know how it was. Like, there's always, like, a core, like, two, three people that you're going to want to push with. There's always a core two, three people that's – and that's what I would say to, like, these young kids as well. It's, like, really look around and see who your friends are, what they're doing, and how they're doing it. Because that's going to define who you are and where you're going to end up. So if your friends aren't doing as much that needs to be done – but there's somebody else on the team. Maybe you guys aren't as close, but he does what needs to be done every single day. doesn't matter talent level. If he's doing the work and he shows a work ethic, that's the person you need to be around because that's the Absolutely. person that will get you to the next level wherever you want to go, right? So, like, as you saw, like, I always had the people around me, you know, like, between you, the other Zach, uh, Trey, Deshaun, like, depending on the day. 
<laughs> you know, there's always... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's always... Sean. Shout out to Sean. I got ha- to have him on too, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah no, absolutely. Like one of, the, one of the things that... One of the memories that I always have about Bishops was um, because I transferred in more mature my first mm-hmm. year in, I don't know if you remember, but I came in like two or three weeks early with a lot of yeah. you guys. I was just like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm 22. I know what training camp is going to be like. I'm going to go a month early or three mm-hmm. weeks early or however early I showed up before camp. And mm-hmm. we got the first day I was there, a bunch of us got onto the field. It was like 30 degrees, scorching hot, tarps <laughs> off, running routes. And r- right away, instantly, I was like, okay, one, this receiving core is deep. So I was like, mm-hmm. crap. And two, <laughs> and two, I was like, I'm home. Like these guys are dogs. Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, you you find the right people through whether it's transferring or doing a really in-depth analysis of your recruiting options when you're coming out of high school. But I think it's important to go somewhere where you're going to be pushed in your positional group because Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really think um, had a big impact on me and Deshaun specifically was we had to compete for – the whole season, not yeah, just yeah, I not week that. one or two. Like that was, dude, that was a grind. That yeah, yeah. was so much more, so much stronger. And we appreciated being on the field more and mm-hmm. um, definitely appreciate being put behind him day one and just got to battle. And you know what? I really appreciate how the coaching staff handled that. They did mm-hmm. not have favoritism. Like whoever no, played better that week got to play. Yeah, and that was, that was very lucky. You know, they didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly appreciated that. Of course. Um, of course. And yeah, and then another one, uh, the very first game that I, 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 uh, I played was the one and only my, the Mayor's Cup. And yeah. uh, I remember being on the field when we, our team broke our, broke our egg for the year and we got our first touchdown and it was you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you, had a, you, you made a nice catch over the middle of the seam and then you walked in the end zone and we got to celebrate together. So yeah, those fun. are the things we talk about when we say when sports is over, those are the memories that you're going to have. It's the people. Yes. Um, and then just to yes. take that one step further, when I scored my first touchdown the year after, you were the first guy who said, Congratu- <laughs> congratulations, you popped your cherry or, you know? Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, it's the same thing. It's a, uh, it's a brotherhood. And then Deshaun scored the first time that game for that year. And so did uh, Nate uh, Walker uh, Walker. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, <laughs> yeah, you definitely pushed the, the receiving group and you know that. And um, it was nice to play with you for sure. Yeah, and, uh, definitely a good time, good experience. So why don't you walk us through your East-West experience a little bit? Because uh, that was something that obviously really kind of put you on the map for your senior year. So East-West, honestly, East-West was probably the best week of football, like, or in my university that I've had in my life. Like, East-West, like, that was amazing. It was just around people, like, not just a couple of people. But it was around everybody that had the same goals, same dreams that I had at that time, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, and I think that was the best part. There was so much focus in there. Everybody was injured. Everyone was pushing through it. Then the day we, I met people from all over Ontario, all over Canada, and we ended up just growing relationships. Like, it became, like, a little family, even though it was only, like, five days. I mean, honestly, it was, it was an amazing experience. I wouldn't have traded it for nothing else. Just being around CFL coaches, learning from them, picking their minds, being around different university coaches, learning different systems and how they had their play styles. And then, of course, being around other players and watching them, how they run their routes, how they look at defenses, 
how quarterbacks read defenses, like how defenses set up. It's just like it's an amazing experience. Honestly, it, it was one of the best for sure. Like, Very cool. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and one thing about this podcast, I always, I always ask the guests is there's so many highs and lows, but um, it's fun to talk about the highs, and we always praise mm-hmm. and praise for the highs, but the lows are important too. And yeah. It's important for the young athletes to hear us talk about the low points we have. So, um, is there anything specifically for you that kind of sticks out that you had to persevere through uh, while you're at uh, Western or, or Bishops? Like I'd say, like what what didn't I like? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What didn't we? At the end of the day, it was either an injury or it was like me personally not playing well or the team not playing well. Like I guess it'd be those would be the three main factors and. I couldn't say there was many days or many games that I would go through that one of those things weren't on my mind. I say practices and games. Shoot. Like, you know, everything, bro. Like, there's always something to be upset about. I'll tell you that. Right, right. Like, there's always – go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, like, would you change anything from your experience or do you just kind of look back at it and and appreciate it all and learn from it? Uh, You know what I would change? What's that? I would change how vocal – we are about the upsets and the sadness that come with the game. Right. I would say as football players, we're supposed to be warriors, which means like as warriors, you don't get upset. You don't talk about your feelings. You don't like express openly what's going on mentally. You just, you just be quiet, get back on the field or get back in the gym and lift more weight or go even harder. Right. Which like is good, but it's not at the same time, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> we work out, we have to take breaks, you know? Like, if I do five sets of bench, if I did them back-to-back, back back, five sets of five, I wouldn't get the same numbers that if I took a 30-second, a minute break, two-minute break, three minutes break, right? So it's the same Right, thing yeah. I- well, I mean, that's just that's just physiology, and we don't need to nerd it, out on that, but... Yeah. Exactly. So, like, that's the same thing with our minds. At the end of the day, like, we can't just keep pushing through everything that sucks and everything that's good. Like, we need that break, because <laughs> that will actually give us better results in the end. I completely agree, and we've kind of talked about that on this podcast before. Do you remember when um, we had that team meeting at the end of the year in 2018, and Sheriff gave us the floor, and he had said, you know, anyone who wants to get up and say their piece about this year, do it, and then Mm -hmm. when you're done, it's next season. It's next season, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That was the first time that a coach has ever asked me or a group of athletes that I've played with, like, how do you guys feel? And we all – you know, about 30 of us spoke. Do you remember? And uh, 2018. Was that my last season? It was your last season. So we I were in, uh, <laughs> may, maybe, no, you were in that meeting because I showed Are you. Are you sure? I, I, gave, I gave you a shout out. I At the end maybe, of 2018? Nah, I wasn't in that right. meeting. Well, maybe you were gone, but essentially what I had said during that meeting, it was just, I spoke from the heart and it was honest mm-hmm. and, it, and it rubbed probably every single person on the team wrong except me. But you'll, you'll under, I'm going to explain it right now. You're going to understand. So yeah, yeah. Um, basically what had happened was everybody went up and started talking about, you know, guys, we can do this. It's mental and blah, blah, blah. And I was getting really fed up with that because you know how I felt about some of the teammates we had. And mm-hmm. in term, just in terms of work ethic and nothing else, not yeah, about yeah. the people they were or anything like that, but just we all needed to be better and we needed to work more. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten up this mindset stuff we've all 30 people have talked about mentality i'm gonna get up here and spit some facts and basically what i had said was <laughs> i i'm self-aware as an athlete i need to be, get better at running routes better at catching the football and better at making people miss but the things i'm i excel at are running jumping and cutting and i was like i need to get better at football 
the majority of the athletes in this room need to get better at being an athlete. They're great football players, but they're not physically capable. Mm-hmm. And my point, my point wasn't to bring them down. It was to say like, we have an off season. We need to be honest and work on these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so like, kind of like you said, just like that, we need to be honest about how we're feeling. And even though that might've rubbed a couple of the teammates wrong, I bet you over time and years and maturity, they realize now that I was right. <laughs> I, yeah, hope, no, I, I hope that yeah, I hope right. they realize that I was right because I know I was right. right. Um, but anyways, back to you, I had given you a shout out during that meeting. I had said, you know, when I think about the best athletes on the team, it was me and you. And it's okay. not because we were born different. It was because of the, our time management skills and our priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyways, that's uh that's a whole nother episode in itself. I want, I want to get back to, to Mike Nelson and uh, some of the things you've done. So what was your, that was some of the low stuff. What was your most fond memories of bishops? My most fond memories of bishops. Oh, honestly, it'd probably be stuff. It probably wouldn't even be football stuff. It'd probably be just be our stuff off the field, to be honest. Sure. Like, go ahead. Like, yo, just like spending time with guys that you, like I never would have met if I didn't go to bishops. Like I went to Western where, Literally, like, the same people, the same five, ten people I hung out with, I've known since I was 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, not only did they already know me, I already knew them, which just kind of kept me as who I was already. I couldn't really change because they know known me from when I was 10. It's like, yo, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Now I go to a whole new place with a whole new group of people. I'm meeting people like Cornish Schweppes, like, you know, like, I'm like you know what I'm saying? I'm meeting, then there's like the Eli's, the Antoine's, the Nate's, the Ryan Davis, like, you know, like Costa's, Kyle's, like, just people from all over. Charles, like, people from all over the map, right? So, yeah. so just like that, I'd say would be the best part. People like Stone, like, it, would, it just changes, like, how you look at yourself and how you look at like other people in a way it makes you, you know? more open it makes you more open-minded when you oh, see mind. um just different different people who grew up in canada in ontario but the culture is different so like yes. yeah definitely i think football more brings, bring, brings you places brings you places and it, it introduces you to people that you would you would not get to meet otherwise exactly exactly so that's the um, fondest memory at bishops for sure. And the last thing here I want to get your, your take on before we wrap up is what is your take-home message, your, your, your deep piece of advice for young athletes who look up to you and want to do some of the things that you've been able to accomplish thus far? I would say keep pushing through to the point that at the end, you can look back and say you have no regrets. That's what I would say. So at the end Just of the end- day, huh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You, you go ahead. Okay, so like, so what I'm saying is, basically, from my point, my, from my standpoint, I told myself that at the end of the day, I'm gonna work my hardest every single day, day in and day out. So at the end of my career, whether I make it or not, I can say I had no regrets because I use every day wisely. It's like the compound effect. So basically, the little that we put in every single day will result in something successful, or it will result in something at the end. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, just empty the tank. That's what I always say to people. Yeah. Empty the tank while you can because one day it stops. Like Exactly. I, I, I technically had another year of eligibility to play. Mm-hmm. And I stepped away for personal reasons, mainly to start my company and just to get my life started. But <laughs> um, definitely, definitely a good piece of advice there, Mike. Um, 
I appreciate your time. We're definitely going to have to do another one of these. And I want to definitely maybe do uh we'll link the whole receiving core on here and we'll do a, an hour <laughs> special episode. Cause that, uh, there's so many, so many good uh, athletes and role models and, and there's so much good content that we could get out there. So um, yeah. Do you have anything to say to the viewers before we sign off? Um, honestly, just like, I appreciate it. appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I say you know, the last thing is like something we touched upon during the podcast is like, yo, don't be afraid to talk to people. Don't be afraid to open up about how you're feeling because I promise you it will help you and other people are probably feeling the same way. So just be open, talk to people and it will help you so much more. If you just keep pushing forward throughout your career. That's it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, so Mike, again, thank you for your time. Keep in touch. And this was episode 11 of athletic insights. Mike, thanks for your time. Perfect. Thank you for having me on, man. Take care. We're out.